We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We made it, Pacer fans. The 2020-2021 NBA season is among us, and the Indiana Pacers play tonight against the New York Knicks, and to discuss that game and the NBA season, I'm going to be joined by Scott Agnes to talk all things Indiana Pacers. We had a lot of things to talk about. We did a little season preview, but more so just things we're looking forward to seeing this upcoming game and what this Pacers team could look like. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you're not already, follow us at Setting the Pace 3 on Twitter and over at Pacers Talk on Instagram. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast as we're going to try to get out three to four episodes a week. Maybe five if it calls for it, but we're going to be pumping out the episodes like crazy. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star rating and review. Always appreciate it. But now I'm going to let you guys listen to my interview with the one and only Scott Agnes. What's going on? Joining me today, the one and only Scott Agnes to preview this Pacers next game. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, Alex. Good to talk with you. Absolutely. So I was going to do a season preview with you, but I just happened to see on Monday in my in my podcast feed that you did a season preview with Tony East on Locked on Pacers. So I said, well, we're going to have to uh, zag a little bit here because <laughs> I don't want to have a repeat conversation. And you guys just knocked that podcast out of the park. I jokingly messaged Tony and I was like, bro, you just stole my podcast idea. But uh, it was it was hilarious. I was just like, no, it was great stuff. I thought you guys did a great job. So hope everybody goes over and checks that out. And the reality, uh, though, is a lot has changed since then, even that, okay. that's the thing with the NBA or with sports in general is what you talk about two days ago can significantly change or <laughs> you, you have more intel. You have more info uh, a few days later. So has anything changed from that conversation that you guys talked about? Uh, TJ Warren see, still seemingly doing better. Um, mm-hmm. We know for certain that Aaron Holiday and Goga had their uh, rookie deals, um, rookie options picked up. Um, 
those are the biggest things I right. can think about from that conversation. It also feels like a week and a half ago. So, <laughs> Yeah. And it's uh, okay. So let's talk about Goga because this is somebody that I think a lot of Pacer fans are eager to see him get some actual game, you know, game time, get in that rotation a little bit. And unfortunately he's going to be out for, it looks like for the next couple of weeks with an ankle injury, I believe it is. So it's um, what are your thoughts on the injury and what are your thoughts on just Goga in general? Yeah, Alex, my biggest complaint is that Goga just hadn't got a, a fair shot at everything, right? Every yeah. time he's just about to turn the corner, he's about to get an opportunity in the preseason or regular season, it seemed like he just has some dumb luck come his way. And it, it happened initially. It was nobody's fault. Pacers worked diligently um, after they, even before they drafted him to what it would go into to get his, his um, visa secured. Well, because of your July 4th holiday, that delayed everything. And that started the domino effect. And so he wasn't available for summer league. Then knee soreness popped up. He, he wasn't a full participant in training camp. That was last year. He had knee soreness all of last year. It finally cleared up. We talked to him like, I want to say 10 days ago. And he said, this is the best I felt since even before being drafted. Then I, I kid you not, like two days later, rolls his ankle in practice, still hadn't played Ugh. in a preseason game, finally plays in the third one. And I almost wonder if maybe it was too soon because he was diagnosed with that grade two ankle sprain. And you know, with those, it's at least a couple weeks and you got to play it by ear because everyone's different depending on how that, that ankle or knee, whatever it is, um, responds based on the rest and, and um, treatment. Yeah. No, and that's, that's definitely just like you said. It's just bad luck. And this is a guy the Pacers seem to be pretty high on um, for his potential and what he could be as that backup center for this team. And, you know, thankfully they do have, you know, two quality bigs and Miles Turner and Domas Sabonis who can figure out a way to, you know, stack those guys and get those center minutes divvied out between the two. But I want to talk three things that we're looking forward to in the season opener against the Knicks. So, I'll let you start out. What is the number one thing you're looking forward to uh, seeing in this upcoming game? So are we talking specifically game one or just kind of the, the entirety of the season? Well, whatever you want to do. I mean, I was okay. specifically looking at just game one for me, but I think it might be cool if you did some more uh, overall season looks too. Yeah, and I brought extra options because I'm sure we overlap on a little I'm, bit. I'm sure I'll, we do. I'll start with a general feel and that's for the whole league i'm curious how both the teams and league will manage all this Mm -hmm. um how quickly will they get a vaccine what will they do when if i kind of assume but if two or three different players um come down with the virus what will travel be like will will guys you know a month in become really frustrated and, and kind of lonely and bored on the road even more than they usually are during the season because now they they're not even supposed to interact much with each other on the road they basically stay in their rooms and their sleep's disrupted because they have to get up early for tests a long-winded way of saying this takes these guys so much out of their routine and I know a lot will come of it I just don't know when right and I think you bring up a good point about the vaccine because what if these players are hesitant to take the vaccine I think Miles Turner was actually uh, reported to maybe not you know being one of the first ones to take one of the first vaccines so what if guys decide they don't want to take it? Would that be like a make or break for the NBA? Yeah, it'll be interesting because I thought I, I figured all these pro te- leagues will, will figure it away. You know, where there's money, there's a way of obtaining it. Right. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of it, it's inter- entertainment too. So we, we'd kind of like it, but obviously we understand there, there's um, essential workers, government, government officials and such that need it before all of us regular folks. But anyway, um, for one, I figured they'll get it a little bit early. 
And then it comes down to, yeah, can in this situation, can teams force it upon players? I know it's mandatory and it has been for years with on the Pacers and I'm probably other teams. I don't know that for certain Alex, but on the Pacers, every training camp, everyone on staff gets the flu shot. That's yeah. just how it happens. That's typical. I'm sure they did it this year. I don't know that for certain, but can they do that with this or will guys be able to opt out? And if so, how does that impact all of them? And yeah, miles was asked during one of our zoom press conferences, just in general, how do you feel about, it? is this something you'd be up for? And he said, Hey, I want to learn a bit more about it. I'm mm-hmm. usually a guy that wants to see it um, go down a little bit and kind of be on the second wave of everything. So he was open to it, but wants to learn more info about it. Yeah, and this and was I've- all before it was even, um, um, what do you call it? cleared or approved, I guess. So right. a week or two ago. Yeah. And I think that's actually kind of smart. I mean, I mean, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong behind that logic because I, I did see a video of like one of the, one of the uh, nurses like fainting, like in the middle of one of her speeches. Now I don't know if that was related to the vaccine or not, but conspiracy theories are conspiracy theories. So uh, it's the internet. You got to be careful what you watch. And I only got to see a short clip from somebody <laughs> posting it. So I don't know like what the whole, like, yeah, that's where context matters, was. right? Yes, that's where context does matter. But I, I do think it is just smart to, and you know, do some research on that whole thing. So I don't have any regular season uh, things that I'm looking forward to. So do you have any more regular season things you want to talk about? Yes, I'll go with the ongoing um, development of Victor. I mean, obviously, that's that's a big red flag staring at us. Just what it looks like, and what does he play like, and. Is it enough where the Pacers can get something, some trade value at the trade deadline? Does it become a case where this, this divorce kind of gets back together and they realize how good they were to yeah. each other with the franchise and, and Victor alike? And there's, there's so many different ways this can play out. But one thing I'm keeping close to watch on here, Alex, is over the last week or so, we've seen a lot of significant players next offseason re-signing and get contract extensions, which is whittling the field down to the point where Victor's rising up the crop of should he return to an all-star or similar level, there's going to be teams out there that, that are very interested and will look to sign him and would allow Vic to kind of maximize his value like he's been pushing for the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think that that also could, to me anyway, be an indication of there could be teams that are more aggressive to go out and make a trade for him at the deadline to kind of get a, you know, a little bit of a, a preview of what his fit might be with their roster as currently constructed. And then they would have his bird rights going into free agency. So for example, like I think Dallas is a team that makes a lot of sense for Vic, just because I feel like they're a team that could make it work with him and Luca and Christoph Porzingis. So if they went out and they've got contracts, they can trade to get him. I think they could kind of, you know, test the waters and see what it might be like. Um, I was also kind of curious. I thought the Raptors could be a team that might have interest in him as well, because, um, I just, I just think that Nick nurse is a coach that could really maximize Victor's play, especially with that roster. I think he'd be really fun there as well, but I don't want to see him go for nothing. If that's the case, because I, I, I do think that if he does have a bounce back year, and like you said, this whole, you know, breakup turns around and they end up, you know, prolonging this relationship. I mean, he seems pretty happy. And I think we saw a glimpse of what Victor could be in this Bjorken system on Friday. And that was one of my points. I just want to see if this Friday mm-hmm. game was a promise of what's to come for Victor, because we're reaching that stretch where it's about the two way, uh, the two year mark from that injury. And I think this is the year people expected Victor maybe get back to some form of what he once was. Yeah. If you remember about this time, two years ago is when he began dealing 
and managing kind of knee soreness in that mm-hmm. knee and quad area, right? He missed, I want to say something like six to eight games. Um, I, I want to say he returned in Brooklyn. It was the same game in the back of my head. I still remember Tyreek Evans just all of a sudden shared to me that he got um, injections, PRP shots by his doctor uh, while they were in New York. And, and Vic nearby was kind of open on everything and was still befuddled about how, how he had been utilized and maybe, you know, what does knee soreness exactly meant? And then short after that, it ruptured and led to a lot of different things happening. And so this is the healthiest he has been in more than two years. And that's the thing I keep harping on while at the same time, understanding we get, we need to see a more consistent three point shot. We need to see more uh, and more improved mind and body control because it still feels to me like we saw in the bubble, which was kind of a, an exception um, I think just d- unusual circumstances. Right. But so many times we see him like attack and his body's going 200 miles an hour and his mind's pl- a little slow to catch up. It feels like, and I think that may just take game reps and true mm-hmm. game reps at full speed. We'll see, but many things with Vic, I'm keeping a close eye on, um, which, because I would agree because exactly what you said, you, I don't think the Pacers are at a point where they would be comfortable or should let him walk for nothing. That's what I wrote. I remember last uh, spring because it can't be this whole situation again. Um, there's just a lot that's gone down and in doing so he doesn't have much trade value and therefore he's still on the roster and Nate and Vic still speak highly of one another um, right now. We'll see if it's just words though. Yeah. And I think a lot of will determine how he's used throughout the season because personally, if, if TJ Warren comes back, you got Sabonis, you got miles and you got Malcolm, you know, there's a lot of guys that need the basketball in their hands. And if he kind of feels like he's the odd man out, not getting enough touches, and and maybe he feels like the Pacers are a team that's not a championship-level team, then I could see why he might be a little bit frustrated and might want to, you know, if he's going to play that secondary role, play on a team that he feels like might be more of a championship contender. Um, and it, it just depends on the price, too, because, I mean, if the Pacers really want him, they could pay him more than most teams could pay him. But if there's a team that overpays for him, I think the Pacers – similar to the Bojan Bogdanovich situation two years ago, they got to be smart with who they pay because with Warren coming up for an extension and Aaron holiday, you know, they did extend him for one more year, picked up that option, but he's going to have another contract extension coming up here in the next couple of years as well. So I think these are a couple of things you really need to keep your eyes on with the Pacers. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Do you do notice that Vic still has the highest um, annual salary? That was by design. Yeah. They do have like four right around that 20 range with miles with Domas, Malcolm and Vic. But by design, he's still the highest at 21 per. And should he still be on the roster, as you alluded to earlier, having his bird rights is a huge deal. Um, it just goes to, are the Pacers, would they be willing to give the max or something similar? Or, or would another team? Because I think that's probably the biggest thing. And honestly, if I'm big, I don't blame him. He doesn't know what he'll look like in two years, three years, because of this one injury. Maybe he'll be excellent, but much like the Achilles injury, even worse though, because there's not many players to go off of. You just don't know what to expect. And so if I'm him, I'd want to secure guaranteed money more than anything. Yeah, and I mean, I think gambling on himself is probably not a bad idea. But unfortunately, you think about like DeMarcus Cousins, a guy that gambled on himself, you know, got traded out of Sacramento, then has that terrible Achilles injury. And now he's been on minimum contracts with, you know, really good teams and can't hasn't ever really had a chance to come all the way back and be significantly involved in those rotations. So there is some cause for concern there. But I think... Oladipo, you know, is a guy that does a really good job of taking care of his body. So I'm I'm excited for Vic. You know, I I think that he's a fan favorite and hopefully we can get all of the crazy offseason stuff behind us 
and just focus on his on-court production because at the end of the day, I mean, it just felt like this offseason, even though it was probably shorter than most, it felt like it was forever because I think it was a continuation from pre-bubble to after the bubble. It was just like the bubble happened, but the offseason was like the whole time it almost felt like for people. So anyway, um, let's one, move. One, la- one last yeah, go thing ahead, on go Victor ahead. I wanted to add here. One, you mentioned the fan favorite. I'm not sure that's still – True. Now, Maybe, a, a yeah. lot of what I hear is on Twitter, and I understand that's a small closet compared to the world. But based on Twitter, most people, and, and I guess people I, I see it in person, they just kind of want everything to be over with. They're tired of the drama and much kind of using this analogy I used a lot with Paul George. They're offering a hug to Victor, and they want to be hugged back. If not, keep it moving is kind of what they're saying here. And then on the <laughs> other side of that, uh, and you could start with game one here. I'm very curious to see if with, under a new coaching staff and playing specifically for this Nate, if he'll be rejuvenated a little bit, because yeah. I think we're seeing that with Miles Turner talking about, look, I'm, I'm learning a new system for the first time since my rookie year, because it's, it was kind of all old hat with, with Frank and with Nate, maybe this is something different and something more fun. Um, that's at least what guys like Domas keep reiterating almost to the point where you're like, all right, you've said it's fun. I get it. Are you really that excited? So we'll see. Yeah, no, and I think that's, uh, I mean, it's hilarious because Tom Crean came out on Dan Dockage's show and basically said that Vic was really looking forward to playing for the new coach. And so, I mean, if he's talking to Tom Crean about, you know, his excitement for it, maybe it is a real thing. I don't know. I just, you know, I will say this, though. I, I got to give Miles Turner a lot of credit for his professionalism with handling all of the offseason trade rumors and stuff, you know, addressing that his name was involved, but, you know, still coming back. And he's just a guy that doesn't really talk about that stuff very often. And he really just wants to come come to work and come play. He loves this organization. He loves his teammates. And I think when it comes to Miles, you know, like some people are, are big fans. Some people are a little bit down on him. But overall, I think when you look at this guy, this is a guy that wants to be a part of this organization. And someone that, you know, while he might not always have the greatest night every night, he does, you know, he does a great job of protecting the rim. And he's someone that works hard every single season and just someone you can rely on. Yeah, I think with Miles, it's not that – fans um, don't like him or like him the person it's that they're frustrated because they see his bigger potential and want for him to reach it right and yeah. they just haven't seen that so they're it's almost like they're depressed because he's not reaching that potential at least in their mind but yeah I'll give him credit as well because that's not a difficult thing to do um, to admit and understand but at the same time usually you know three four years in that's when when you talk to these guys and they're like okay now I get it now I understand this isn't just high school ball and, and we get a play. Now it's the business side. And that includes my agent. Remember his rookie year, he dealt with um, having to change agents and, and those sorts of things. So he's had several different things um, where he's had to learn on the fly. And I think this is just another chapter in what being a pro is like. No, you're, you're completely right about that. And I do want to move forward here with one other thing I'm looking forward to in this upcoming game. And I think this is how everybody probably feels. I'm just looking to see how TJ Warren looks coming off this injury because mm-hmm. no preseason action for TJ Warren. We we saw an incredible bubble performance from him, you know, uh, just really played well, even in the playoffs, even though it wasn't as sexy as the 53 points against Philadelphia or the game winner over Anthony Davis. It was still like, he was still really productive and he had a really good season last year under coach Nate McMillan. So Formerly playing with Bjorkren, you know, maybe an opportunity to play that small ball for a little bit. Still a guy that I think can have a great success at the three. He's a good defender, really improved in that area last year. And just a consistent guy that you can count on to put the ball in the hoop. I'm just excited to see what Warren looks like. And I'm a little curious to see how this injury impacts him going forward. 
Yeah. What does he look like at the jump? And you're right. That's a big thing to, to look forward to. He's technically questionable going into game one, but all indications after he's gone through three straight practices with that starting group. And that's something we haven't even touched on just yet, but mm-hmm. what do those starters look like? And this was a question I, I even asked with Nate today is he's, he's talked so much about the willingness to change lineups, to play different rotations, maybe mixing up the starters. What I'm wondering, and we'll see, he didn't really give me a, a great answer. At this point, is there some need? Because I see it, but is there a need in the first, say, 10 games or first month to really go hard with that key starting lineup and understand what you have? Because we don't even know from last year what it looked like. We all talk about the 86 minutes they played together. That's a terribly small sample size. And we didn't get it in the preseason. They barely got it um, in multiple practices. So I feel like you need to go with that for a month and see what the heck you have, because then maybe you need to move one of the big guys, or maybe it doesn't work, or maybe it's better bringing them um, and staggering them a little bit off the bench. But I I would add that to one of my lists um, here of things I'll be watching in the early going. Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, you're right. Everybody does throw out that that stat of the 85, 86 minutes, whatever it was. And I think people are just you know, they want they they talk so much last year in the offseason, like, oh, wait for Vic to come back. This team's going to be special. And then we never really got that. And then Jeremy Lamb got hurt. So it was just like, mm-hmm. and then I think TJ Warren got injured around that same time as well last year when Vic came back. So it was just like injuries last year really derailed this Pacers team and it really took away from what they could be. And they still got the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, which is why I was a little bit shocked that Nate McMillan did get fired just because of the, the circumstances that he had to go against all year but I think the players were just ready for a change and you know it seems like Bjorkren is the right guy uh, based on how all these players are talking about him I mean it's obviously offseason the record zero and zero so (laughs) you're excited about it now but um, come playoff uh, come regular season time and come the schedule and how everything goes like that's when things really change and so you mentioned it kind of there this is my last thing I'm really looking forward to is just Bjorkren's rotation because I've been pretty adamant about saying like I like TJ McConnell and I was fine with him, you know, getting the nod a little bit over Aaron Holiday as the backup point guard. But going forward, I think Aaron Holiday is a guy that you really have to invest in. You know, use the first round draft pick on him. This is a guy that, you know, people covet in trade talks from what we've heard. And if the Pacers really value him, I think this is someone that really needs to get an opportunity to be that, you know, sixth, seventh man off the bench. Yeah, I would agree with you. You got to create more of an opportunity for him. I know one of the things he had really struggled with the last several years is the unpredictable opportunity. He wouldn't know when he's going in. He wouldn't know when he'd be called upon. And would it be for five minutes or 25 minutes? And it turned out last year, I think he started roughly half his game, something like 33, you know, 60-some games there. Um, And so they depended on him a lot as Malcolm Brogdon missed time. And that's another health concern, obviously, we'll have to keep close tabs on. And thus far, it seems like Malcolm's in a good spot. But, man, you talk about injuries last week. That was that was almost depressing last year, Alex. The fact that they had over 190 games missed to, due to injury. And, and I laugh at the fact at how your oldest player, Jeremy Lamb, or excuse me, your oldest player in Justin Holiday was the only one to play in every single game. <laughs> that, that is hilarious. I mean, I don't even realize that Justin was really the only guy in his 30s, I believe, last year on the roster. I mean, this is a pretty relatively young roster if you look at it. And they've got a lot of guys coming into their prime. Like, I don't know if you would say Sabonis is in his prime now where he's just reaching his prime or wherever he's at. But I think, you know, the, the, the sky is the limit for Sabonis and what he can do, because I really feel like Domas took a huge leap last year. He's just so consistent. And I think you can always rely on him 
to provide the the the, uh, the double digit rebounds, the double digit points, and you know the the middle tier assists because he is such a, a great passer, sees the court so well. Like I am a huge Domas guy. I'm really excited because I know a lot of people were nervous about what he might look like playing in this new up tempo style, and I don't necessarily want to see him shooting five threes a game, but I think if the opportunity is there and it's a good shot just take it because if it does go in, then that's a bonus. But if not, you, you know, eventually players will on the defensive end will probably have to come out and guard him a little bit, just knowing he's going to take the shot. But I just, you know, I'm excited for this team overall. And I, I want to see what these guys can do together heading into this season. Yeah, you're right about Sabonis. I think that's one of the big things you're going to change. You're going to see changed is the freedom. I mean, we we're already deep into this podcast and haven't mentioned the fact how, they would have set three different records with three-point shooting during the preseason, all more than 40 attempts per game after being last in the league at 28 per game. I, I think that's a, a shoo-in for a guaranteed thing that we're going we're gonna to see here change. And I'm, I'm still a little curious about it because I don't think this is a great three-point shooting team, right? Victor's right. not there yet. Miles sometimes. Justin absolutely in the corner. McDermott when he's on the road. Um, sometimes it's not necessarily a great thing to put up more threes if you don't have the quality of shooters, but maybe that will come with in time and in confidence. Now that's a great point. You know, road McDermott is just such a, it's such a myth, man. Like I don't understand. He even laughs about it. I know it's so, it's so crazy. And I mean, you got to think about this upcoming season too. Like he's a free agent. I think Jakar Sampson, he's a free agent, correct? Correct. Yep. And then then Victor Oladipo and TJ McConnell. So those are four guys out of your top 13 that are free agents this upcoming year. And if the Pacers don't, I mean, I could see all of them maybe walking. I could see all of them coming back too. I mean, it's, it's a weird situation. I think McDermott could be somebody that, you know, could be coveted uh, around the trade deadline as well, just because of his ability to knock down the three point shot. And if the Pacers don't have long-term plans for him because they want to play some of their younger guys, then maybe you could get a first round pick might be a late first round pick, but I mean, you think about teams and how desperate they can be for shooting and he's someone that really fits that bill. And I think he's a guy that in this system, I would actually be okay if they tried maybe starting him every once in a while, just because of his ability to shoot the three. You asked about Aaron holiday earlier. The other name that comes to mind is what are we doing with Edmund Sumner? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Can he blossom? Can he um, maximize their role? And first of all, again, talking about health, he's another one that's just had rotten luck and he's got to stay healthy, but he's the other guy, a uh, part of that bunch that, the Pacers will have to decide on next year. He's got a team option on his okay. deal, nonetheless. I but, forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, Edmund Sumner, another one that I'd throw in. Now, Sabonis, a uh, thing noteworthy with him is, and I'm throwing out the preseason, he hadn't played a meaningful game since March, right? Didn't play in the bubble at all. I'm not worried about him as conditioning at all. But the plantar fasciitis, much like TJ Warren, we know this is something they're going to be dealing with, monitoring, and probably missing some games throughout the season because it just does not go away overnight. It went away for Sabonis because he laid low and didn't very little for several months on end uh, over the off season when he was overseas and in NLA. And so that's, that's exactly what TJ Warren needs, but there's no time for that. The season's back. Yeah. And I want to talk about Edmund Sumner real quick because I was a little bit shocked that he did not get any playing time in the final preseason game. And they ended up giving those minutes to some of the younger guys like Jalen LeCue, Cassius Mm -hmm. Stanley, and then Keelan Martin. So really wasn't an opportunity for him to go out there and play. Um, Were you at all a little bit surprised by that? And do you think that's an indication maybe of anything, or is that just Bjorkman trying to give other guys playing time? 
Yeah, I was curious about that during the game, although I recognized how even pregame, Nate said, hey, we're going to look at various combinations here in this game. Um, and Jakar was the other one left out. And I understand, well, both of them had played for this team before. You could just watch on tape and know what you got, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so we were seeing Cassius Stanley. And we were seeing a little bit of Goga again. And some of the other guys that we did, didn't get very, um, didn't see very much of. And a guy like Nazmi Trulone, for example, who was waived. And so then I asked Nate about it. He's like, yeah, this was planned. I told the guys about this, not just now, but before the preseason, that be, stay ready. That's the other thing he keeps harping on and repeating a lot during our calls is he wants everybody to be prepared at any time to jump out there <laughs> and get ready to go. So that I would have liked him to see, would have liked to see him get some minutes because he needs it. But I also understand what Nate was thinking in that decision. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good transparency. I think they're from your coach because at least, you know, ahead of time, like this isn't really impacting you for the long term. It's just for this specific game. So I think that that's really important because the, the player relationship that McMillan had with his players was much different, uh, drastically different than what we were seeing from Bjorkren. And I've not seen players glow about McMillan like they are about Bjorkren. So, I mean, he is the hyped up off season acquisition for sure. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, ex- no kidding. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see a new system, but I feel like it's a bit overblown. And I was, when I was talking to Chris Denary last week, I was off the air. I was laughing because I was like, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get um, the, uh, the Fox sports, Indiana broadcast during game two of the Cavs Pacers preseason game. So I had to listen to Austin Carr on the Cavs uh, on the broadcast. And he kept calling us the Indiana Rockets or the Houston Pacers, like the entire oh, no. game, because we shot so many threes. And it was hilarious because I think we only took like seven or eight more threes than them. And uh, Denary brought that up and he seemed kind of uh, just a little frustrated that they would say we're playing like the Rockets because it's not really the case. No, they weren't just running it up and chucking it, which is what we saw. And a lot of ISO ball is what you used to see with the Rockets. What the Pacers are doing differently is they're trying to create that movement on the offensive end. And if a guy's open, no matter who it is, that's where Nate wants for them to take the shot. Don't, he wants them to shoot with the green light and not hesitate. And that's the biggest thing I think that, that we're seeing differently. We've, we've seen Nate, or excuse me, we've heard Nate or uh, Miles talk about that. But he needs to shoot with more confidence. And that's across the board, I think, with this roster. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the only time we should really be called the Indiana Rockets or the Houston Pacers is if for somehow we went out and made a trade for James Harden. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, it's just, uh, it's funny to see fans kind of speculate, well, what would it take to get James Harden? But you know, I, I think this roster is, you know, pretty talented. And it's one of, I want to close things out here just talking about how many different people I've seen have the Pacers missing the playoffs or in the play-in game at the nine seed and, you know, being jumped by teams like Atlanta and Washington. Like, I, I actually think Washington is one of the top eight teams just because I think Russell Westbrook really makes them a lot better than what they had last year. But Atlanta, I mean, you're talking about a team that finished second, uh, second to last in the Eastern Conference, only had 20 wins. And they brought in Gallo, Rondo, and Chris Dunn. I mean, sure, those are good role players, but I don't think that that significantly puts them up to the uh, the forty five fifty win mark. I don't see them increasing thirty wins per you know over this overall um, just because they brought in those kind of role players. Yeah, and anybody that knows me or listens to me knows I, I hate predictions and, and future looking only because we haven't seen enough, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, I, w- I would agree with you on that. I don't know why how you could lead the Pacers out considering their record and reaching the postseason 
it's one of the best ever across the league, their consistency of reaching the playoffs. Now advancing, that's a whole different podcast we could do. Um, and outside of that, Brooklyn's obviously going to be nice. I really think Orlando's in a spot where they need to, they need to start over again. Will they be willing to <laughs> sell off parts midseason? I don't know. But the, the two teams, you're right, are, that are right there, I think, are especially the Wizards, maybe Hornets, but probably not. And then I could also throw in Atlanta there. Those are your only two teams that I think are threatening. And the Pacers are certainly above both of them. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I understand, you know, giving other teams credit for what they did in the offseason. But just because the Pacers failed to get Gordon Hayward or whatever you want to call it, (laughs) you know, they they still had a really good team. Like we said, they were the fourth seed last year in the Eastern Conference. And they didn't have their health. Yeah, it's like – and they're getting Vic back. And and if Vic can become anything – you know, close or even like 80% of what he was in his all-star year in 2017, 2018, then this team to me is a no-brainer to make the playoffs. Wherever you put them, I don't even care, but to not have to make the playoffs or the top eight is just a little bit mind uh, mind-boggling to me. Yeah, to me, a lot of that is just people not following the Pacers too closely. Uh, I hate to throw that old like chip on the shoulder. I know players overuse that, overuse that way too much, but I, I think it's just People, eh, Pacers, yeah, they're not interesting. Maybe they'll fall out. What the yeah. heck? Where in reality, <laughs> the the odds would be terribly low against that happening. Yeah, and I mean, there is a possibility that with a coaching change, the Pacers could get off to a rough start because it's uh, trying to learn a new system and, and all that Absolutely. Stuff. That's but, one thing I've been trying to stress a little bit. It's now they do, they do have a little bit of a favorable schedule, right? They got the Knicks twice in the first, like, seven games. They, they're home for seven of nine. While at the same time, they're trying to do a lot of new stuff. So I keep saying, do not be surprised if they jump out a little slower, much slower than they do in the past. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, I'm not – my expectations for this season are let's see what happens. I'm excited mm-hmm. for this year. But I think more so for me, like, I think next year is the big year of where I'm really going to be, like, wanting the Pacers to make that next leap to, you know, further themselves. I mean, obviously I want them to do it this year, but I think next year, once you've got the Oladipo contract situation figured out, if he stays or if he goes and you get a chance to see what the double bigs look like in the Bjorken system, you will finally have some sample size of what this team looks like under Nate Bjorken. So I think year two of his tenure will really be uh, the stepping stone, I guess you could say of the team's overall success and what this team could look like moving forward. Yeah, and there, there's so many different things, too. Like, what do the Pacers look like with that Jeremy Lamb as a, a sixth man again, perhaps, yeah. or seventh man? He adds a whole new di- dimension and some scoring off the bench, and that was uh, a trouble of theirs all of last season. One thing that we haven't really touched on, and it's a, a smaller factor, but in the grand scheme of things, it's huge, is rebounding. How many years have we talked about them struggling to rebound? In the preseason, again, it's preseason. I get that but they were out rebounded. I'm pretty sure in every single game and outside of Domas did not look very good on the boards as well. And we talk about their huge shift defensively yet all three of their opponents shot 50% or better. So it's, there's going to be some growing pains along the way. Yeah. Rebounding has always been an issue. And even though you have a guy like Domas who can, who can go out there and uh, he's good for 10, 11, every game. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, you got to get, you got to get a combination of, you know, guards and wings getting in there and rebounding with him because, like, I don't think Turner's a great rebounder. I think Oladipo is pretty good for his position. TJ Warren's not a good rebounder, so it's like you got to get those guys, especially if they want to play Warren at the four. He's going to have to be more aggressive on the glass. No doubt. And I'll be I'll wondering just how this team will make up for the, the poor rebounding in the past. We haven't really got an answer, and we haven't seen it yet. So 
you can add that to your list of things to watch in game one against the Knicks. <laughs> Every time I think about the Pacers rebounding struggles, I just constantly hear Larry Bird on repeat saying, well, Lance wasn't sealing his rebounds. So uh, <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's just like, every, I miss that dude, man. Uh, Larry, about Lance. I know I miss Lance and I actually miss Larry Bird's just, I miss his just openness, you know, his transparency, like just saying how he felt. Now, sometimes that was a detriment to the team and the, the overall chemistry because, but at least you know how he felt. And a yes. lot of times we see, and I'm talking league wide, you see sugarcoating from executives, from head coaches, and players with with comments that add no nothing of sort so yeah that's that's for sure so any other thoughts before the game I mean I don't want to get too many predictions in but I just didn't know if you had anything else you were looking forward to before we wrap this up yeah just in short a lot from the coaching staff we still haven't learned a ton about assistant coaches and Mm -hmm. obviously Nate's wanting to use them entirely differently here and, and not you know not have say a defensive coordinator but rotate how he uses guys and rotate the scout um so that's interesting to me as well, along with all the other stuff we've talked about here. Awesome. Well, Scott, this was a lot of fun, man. I, I know we haven't really ever done this before, but I thought it went great. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, happy to join you, Alex. Just And also very glad that the season's finally here. In ah. some respects, and I said this with Tony, in some respects it feels like the, the season ended two days ago, but also it feels like it was two years ago. And I was very happy, I will say, though, to be at that – the lone home preseason game against the Sixers because I felt at home. I felt comfortable once again in that habitat. (laughs) I miss that. And I feel bad for fans who can't experience something similar. Yeah. And especially fans that have gone to streaming and can't watch the games either. I know you did an article about that. It's just, it's just been a a headache. It is a headache. And I mean, I did get AT&T TV just for that simple fact. And then of course, on the second night of the preseason games, it says Pacers Cavs scheduled at six o'clock and they play a surfing show. I'm sitting here like, what is huh. going on? Like, why, why are they playing a, a, a random surfing show? Like this is Indiana. This is Fox sports Midwest. We don't surf in the Midwest. I mean, that's why I was like dumbfounded by everything that happened that night, but um, they did show the replay at eight o'clock. So I thought that was a bit interesting how they did go back and play it later in the time frame. So I don't, I don't know. It seems like it's, uh, just kind of a headache right now. So any way you can watch the game, I just say try your best to figure out a way to watch it because this team's going to be fun. There's a lot of things to look forward to. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about that. But I can tell you in, in terms of that TV dispute, that was one of the biggest questions I was getting from fans over the last yeah. couple of weeks because they had the same issues you did. Maybe they had switched and they still weren't getting it. I think it was game one. AT&T failed them on that situation. And right now just it's so complicated. I'm a guy that has YouTube TV. I yeah. paid for that and can't watch it. So I'm over here using my family's login for Comcast to use a channel. I'm should already be paying f- anyway. Yeah. It's yeah, a I, headache. And sure. I canceled YouTube TV because of that reason. I had them as well, Scott. So yeah. it's uh, it's just frustrating. It be, it's just frustrating because it's all about money and all we fans want to do is just watch some games. We can't go to them. <laughs> That's all we want to do. Just figure it out. Sinclair, figure it out. You know, YouTube TV, Hulu, whatever you got to do, just get, get a negotiation where it's reasonable. And it's like NBC. You can't even watch them on AT&T right now either. Now so. you can, that was corrected over the oh, weekend. Was it? Okay. Well, the but last you still time- can't get wish TV. That's been a, that's been a dispute for more than a year now. Oh, uh, what a, what a mess. What a mess. But anyways, we got basketball to talk about and uh, watch tomorrow. So I'm excited opening night for the Pacers. Let's go out and get a victory. This is a lot of fun, Scott. Make sure you guys check out all of Scott's work. Um, you can find probably all that on Twitter at Scott Agnes. So we will talk to y'all next week.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.